It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The 2020 season did not quite go as planned for Reds fans as the playoffs ended abruptly in the wild card round. Now the Reds are left to pick up the pieces during the offseason and fix a lineup that was the worst in Major League Baseball. How are they going to do it? What are they going to do? Rumors, transactions, news, all here on the Locked On Reds podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Carr. Let's go. What's up, Reds fans? Welcome in to the Locked On Reds podcast. Man, I am so glad you joined me today. Thank you so much for downloading and listening. We got a treat. We got chapter two of the Rob Wooten story. If you're not familiar with it, chapter one happened, uh, I believe it was December of 2019. I talked with Rob Wooten, a minor league pitcher for the Cincinnati Reds, who was persevering through his fourth major surgery and still chasing his dream of being a big league pitcher. Well, now we've got the next chapter of the story for Rob Wooten, kind of how he went through all of the COVID stuff and then also on top of that, having to retire and transition from being a player into where he is now. I can't wait to get to that, so we're going to jump right in right now. All righty, for today's Locked On Reds, I have back with me for Chapter 2. It, some of you may remember I, I talked with him last year. A little, it, it was close to this time. I think it was in December or something like that. But I'm talking about Rob Wooten. He was a pitcher for the Reds in the minor leagues, and now he is here to talk about what's happening next. But first off, Rob, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing great, Jeff. Thanks for having me back on. It is very nice to have you. I'm, I'm I'm glad to get to talk to you again. I know where we last left off, you were getting ready for the season, and then, of course, the season itself got all kerfuffled, I think is a good word to use. <laughs> That's not one that I've used I like yet. It. So <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll do that. But um, I, I was curious because I know that um, – with everything that was happening, and I know that minor league baseball was in flux this year, and then, of course, we didn't have a season. What was that like on top of everything that you were kind of deciding with your own personal career? Yeah, I mean, obviously, this is a extremely strange year for everyone in baseball, for everyone in life, uh, in, in that matter. And I don't think anyone saw this coming, especially – last time we had this conversation about a year ago and right. and I was talking about uh, a comeback uh, for the fourth time after a major surgery and was really motivated and looking forward to, to getting back uh, to Arizona and, and giving this one last shot and actually got to that moment and you know then things kind of kind of turned south with the pandemic and uh, actually re-injured my shoulder once again uh, and that kind of led to kind of go back first to the last October I went in to Cincinnati for a follow-up on the on my previous or my latest shoulder surgery and while I was there I met with a Reds official 
um, and was talking about the future a little bit. I wasn't quite sure if I would get the opportunity to make one last comeback and come to find out that they, there was mutual interest on both sides to give this one last shot with also the idea of if it did not work, maybe if the opportunity presented itself to transition into a coaching role, even as of early as last year, if the season had to take place, um, I would have been more in a, in a, in a player coach type role if my body allowed. Well, fast forward to spring training, uh, was feeling really, really good. I like my chances. I like where my body was and like the way I was throwing the ball and really my last test before getting cleared to pitch in an actual real spring training game. I felt that that pain that any pitcher does not want to go through in on one pitch in my shoulder. And unfortunately, because I'm going through so many, I know exactly what that pain feels like. And I knew at that moment I was probably done um, with as far as my my pitching career. So kind of going back into the my spring training home, was thinking my family was actually in town, and we talked about it briefly. And before really any kind of major decision could be made, that's when spring training was canceled. <laughs> um, so all that took place, and we flew home. We came home, and, you know, I really didn't think about it for a while. It was just I thought for sure we'd be back in spring training in a few weeks, and then I'd go back and just kind of see how my body felt. And just maybe it wasn't as bad as I thought. But after two weeks, I decided to start playing catch again a little bit, and I knew right away that that was it. Um, that was just no way. And I started to kind of see the trend that the, the COVID-19 was taking. Um, I sat down with my family. We decided to go ahead and, you know, not necessarily officially retire, but let the res know what my thoughts were, what my decision was. So that's really how that became. Um, I came home and retired right here at home and really haven't been anywhere since other than a few places, but uh, <laughs> it's just been a crazy time, crazy time in all of our lives. Absolutely. Uh, what was that experience like? Because I, I know that there were – plenty of players that uh, you know they either opted out of the season and 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 some fans like in the back of their minds probably were thinking well how dare they not play baseball but at the same token like it's got to be an emotional situation for you to say that I'm not going to play baseball anymore what was your personal situation like yeah i mean you know first of all going to the ballpark the the, the maybe 5 days leading up to the actual suspension of spring training was pretty surreal. Each day was a little more serious, a little more serious. And I think everyone's, uh, I think I'm well documented of being a really big basketball fan, mm-hmm. especially a North Carolina fan. It, it sure wasn't our best year last year, but you know, I remember watching the ACC tournament that night and then that was it. He just got canceled just like that out of nowhere, along with the NBA. And then we show up to, to workouts the next day with a big meeting and, not really sure. And they weren't really sure what was going to happen. And a couple hours later, uh, spring training had been suspended. Um, so it all happened so fast and, and not to mention I was going through, you know, a, a, another injury as far as what I wanted to do and where I wanted to go from there. But, you know, really getting my, my family and myself home safely was really the number one priority and kind of going through the airport and flying home during that time when, there was so many unknowns, not that there's not many unknowns now, but then there was really, no one had any idea what was going on, how to prepare, 
I mean, so just getting us back home was kind of that number one priority. And then, and then the emotion sat in for sure. I mean, I knew that was it. I knew I probably would never throw another competitive pitch. Um, but, you know, the Reds were, were so good about all of this. I mean, really, honestly, for four straight years in the organization, trying to give me every opportunity possible to come back from these injuries. And it always gets so close. It just never, it never came about. But, um, you know, I, my four years with the Reds has, has, has been so, so rewarding uh, with the relationships that I've built with players, coaches, front office staff. Um, and it really kind of led to this next opportunity. So everything happens for a reason. You know, God put me in that, in that spot for a reason. And, you know, now I'm still able to talk to you as a member of the Reds. So still pretty cool. Absolutely, and, and and that's actually a perfect segue. Couldn't have done it better myself. Um, let's let's look <laughs> at the next chapter because as one chapter closes, another one opens, and like you said, you are still a member of the Cincinnati Reds. Tell us about what's next for Rob Wooten. Yeah, so um, back in that meeting we talked about in October of last year, the the the, the thought and the, the mention of coaching uh, really became. Uh, at the top of my mind is something that I really wanted to do. I love the game. Um, I love being around the game. I love the professional baseball game. I love the relationships. I love everything there is about it. I love the challenge, you know, the, the, the preparation for winning. Um, so when, when I spoke with the Reds and told them my decision, um, there was kind of a mutual agreement there that, you know, they wanted me and, and I wanted to, extremely bad to transition into a coaching role. So I really had almost like an internship the entire summer where I was sitting in on meetings. Um, I was able to talk with our pitching department one-on-one in group settings. Uh, I was assigned players to work with virtually even had a few players from the Reds come and visit my Academy here in North Carolina and be more hands-on. Um, got to sit in a little bit on the pitching side of the the draft and then all of our meetings about possible undrafted free agents was actually a little bit small part of the recruiting process. So I really got to kind of put my hands in, in, in a lot of different baskets and learn a ton about the other side. And the more that I was around our staff and our pitching department, the more I realized how how, how bad I wanted to be a part of that. So, you know, I had no idea what the next chapter would bring. I had no idea if there would even be a job for me once the season was over. Um, as as the summer went along, I, I had more confidence that that there would be a good opportunity for me uh, within the Reds organization. And then, you know, the last couple of weeks, things really heated up. I went through the, the process just like anyone else would with the interviews and, and all that virtually, obviously. Um, but got the call last week that officially was offered the pitching coach at double H Chattanooga. And I was thrilled. I mean, I was just absolutely thrilled and floored and humbled and, and all the above to, to be able to start my coaching career, um, at a level that may have impact on players that will help our major league team as early as next year. Um, so, you know, the work begins now. Um, I've been working, I've been, coaching. I've been involved in all of our staff meetings for since, since May. 
um, I, the the staff, Kyle and all of his staff, and DJ and even David that I spoke well spoke with several times have been so welcoming to me. Um, and so I feel like a part of the team already. But I know there's a lot of challenges ahead. There's a lot to learn, um, but I couldn't be more excited. And the good news is now you can have some good Carolina barbecue guilt-free because you don't have to worry about staying in shape for being on the mound, right? <laughs> <laughs> that, that's that's true. Uh, my, my three kids do keep me running around quite a bit, and I, <laughs> I'm still an active person. Um, I, I, think I'll, I think that will continue for a while. Um, but that is true. I can eat more barbecue now and not worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know last time we talked, I asked you about Bojangles, and it's like, yeah, it makes sense. you gotta be got to be on-field shape. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> You, you mentioned getting the chance to work with some players and working on development. What uh, what do people, as far as the difference between being a pitching coach for Chattanooga and being a pitching coach at the major league level, I know that there's a much greater emphasis on development. What kind of differences are there when you're the pitching coach like Derek Johnson or where you're the pitching coach like Rob Wooten for the Chattanooga Lookouts? Yeah, I, I think there's for sure some similarities, but I also think there's there's some differences as well. Where you know our job is to get our pitchers to send to DJ ready to rock and roll. Uh, DJ is obviously a mastermind of what he does, and everything that he does trickles down to us. And you know he's he's the teacher, and we're the students. And you know we're gonna we're gonna learn under him, under his tutelage. And I've already had a chance to do that, which the conversations have been amazing but you know our, our job at any level um, is to prepare our players for the next level and ultimately the major leagues and if I think if any player is not preparing for that I think he's wasting his time so that's one thing I always did as a player no matter where I was I was preparing as if I were a major leaguer so then when I actually was able to play in the major leagues for those few years I was prepared for it and that's that's what I'm going to carry to, to my players and you know, to me, obviously, being able to break down the delivery, being able to relay the analytics and, and have a good blend of, of that, but also, more importantly, build that relationship with the player so he trusts you. So when you do come to him with some information that's going to help him, he's going to be much more – he's going to receive that information a lot better because of the trust factor that's already there. So, you know, one thing that we've talked about as an organization is, is, is being one from top to the bottom. And I truly believe that. So, you know, a lot of things that DJ is doing with our major league pitchers, we're going to be doing with our minor league pitchers to get to that point. So when they get there, you know, they're ready to win because the Reds are ready to win. I mean, we're really, really close to yes. to being a. I mean, we were obviously you, you saw us, you saw us this year uh, making a, a good run, and we ran into a, a bus off as far as the pitching staff with the with the Braves. But you know, we threw the ball quite well ourselves. So. Um, but there's some moves to be made for sure this offseason, but you know I think we'll be a competitive team again next year. You mentioned some of the players that you got to work with uh, while you were kind of coaching them up at uh, your academy and different stuff like that. What Reds pitchers did you get a chance to work with, and who are you excited about? Yeah, so um, Carson Spires came and visited me um, at my facility here in Pinehurst and also Michael Byrne. Um, both of those kids are great kids, number one. Um, and they, they're ready to work. They're ready to learn. And I had a good time, um, just kind of spending some time with them. 
there's a lot of players to like uh, in our organization. And, you know, I, I won't go into too much detail of all the players that I work with because um, I just don't I want to be fair to everyone. But, you know, those two guys came and visited me. So there was a little bit more of a face-to-face, hands-on approach with those two. But the others that I work with, the six or seven others that I'm still continuing to work with, along with, you know, starting to contact some of our players that we feel will help us at the AA level next year, they all have something to bring to the table. And it's really been a, a, a great experience kind of digging into their life, into their style, how they do things, and maybe some things that I could help them with, whether it's routine, whether it's, you know, as far as their mechanics, whether how they train. Um, there's so many things that I was able to experience as a player and I'm so I'm just off the field as a player that I feel like I can relate to pretty much anyone. So all of these kids, uh, it's been really fun to work with them. Um, and, and that's, that's, that's a weekly thing. I mean, we're, we're keeping in contact every week and with the goal of having a normal spring training, which we all hope, but we all have no idea. Um, but you know, we got to train as if we are. Something I, 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 I've been wanting to ask, uh, Pretty much any pitcher that I talk to this offseason, I know that we all watched the World Series and we saw what happened with Kevin Cash and Blake Snell. If you were in that scenario, how would you feel? <laughs> it's going to be a really easy question for me to answer because I'm sitting on a couch um, and not <laughs> and not having to make that decision in-game. But there's been a lot of heat on Kevin Cash for sure. Um, you know, I don't agree with the call I, I think if I was in his shoes by the way that Blake Snell was throwing the ball um, I'm not taking him out especially at 73 pitches now if he if he had given up a hit with 103 or 113 pitches then maybe that decision is a little bit different but at 73 and him cruising like he is and you know throwing like the 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 former Cy Young award winner it would have been really hard for me to take him out on the other side of that you know, that's been their process all year that got them to game six of the World Series. So, I mean, you really got to kind of continue to trust your process. It just didn't work that time. If it did work and the reliever came in and did his job, which we all know how hard that is. I was a reliever for most of my career. It's extremely difficult to come in. Right. But if he did his job, we're not talking about this. So, but, I mean, even at the time, you know, Twitter, the Twitter world blew up. Uh, just because, you know, there's a lot of people that that really believe in the analytics and some don't. And then there's the, then there's the ones that's kind of the healthy blend of both. And I think, I, I think that's where I fit. But if you're asking me what I would have done in that heat of the moment, I probably would have left them in for sure. As a reliever, I know you got to come in with like a laser focus, ready to get the the next batter out. But is there a little part of you that if you come in a situation like that where maybe the the starting pitcher leaves under um, a little bit of a question mark as to why he was getting pulled, does that stick in the back of your mind a little bit? No, that's not your job. Your 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 job is to want the ball no matter what. And as a reliever, I don't care what the situation was. I don't care if we were, if it was a one-run game, if it was a five-run game, a ten-run game, game six of the World Series. I mean, you have to want the ball and be ready for it any given time. And look, those players know their manager. They know what their process is. They know what their game plan is. That that game plan was made well in advance. So, 
Mick Anderson knew exactly what his role was going to be and when it was going to be, and he sh- and he was ready for it. It just didn't happen. I mean, as as pitchers, we all understand. I mean, the the, the double that Mookie hit. I mean, that ball, you know, five feet to the to the right, it's right to the third base. You know, so I mean, mm-hmm. and then we're not talking about this. You know, so the game is such a such a cruel game at times uh, because he's been such a good reliever the whole entire year, but that's what he's defined as now, which is unfortunate. But, no, I mean, you, you better believe my relievers will be ready for the ball at any time because any time you're out there, you have a chance to impact the game in a positive way. So, unfortunately, he didn't get the job done, but he was ready for it. It just didn't happen. What's the first thing you're going to do when you get to Chattanooga? Well, I got I got a chance to spend some time there in 2000 and. 19, I guess it was, uh, right before I was coming back from the Tommy John surgery. <laughs> and I got to spend some time there kind of coming back from that injury. And I love the city. I mean, I absolutely fell in love with it. Uh, it was a, a really unique uh, city. It was a, lo- a bunch of young professionals. Uh, the, the, the times that my family was in town with me, we enjoyed walking around the city. They had a lot of really good coffee shops. The coffee shop that I spent a lot of time at called the Frosty Monkey, I think it was called. <laughs> um, really, really cool coffee shop that just had a really good vibe about it where I can see myself probably spending a lot of mornings there uh, doing game prep or, you know, reports from the previous game and, and, and getting ready for the next game. So that'll probably be one of the first places that I visit when I get there. Chattanooga is a nice place. I used to live in Huntsville, Alabama for a little bit and, uh, going back and forth because I was, too. oh yeah, <laughs> the good old Huntsville stars. Um, Huntsville we, stars. We uh, still had friends and family and stuff in Ohio, so like go. I uh, went through Chattanooga quite a bit, and I never did. See, I I should have stopped at the Frosty Monkey. I'm going to remember that next time I'm driving yeah. through there. <laughs> you got to. It's, it's it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. It's a, it's a double decker uh, coffee shop. It's pretty sweet. Oh, nice. Well, Rob, sir, I appreciate yep. your time, man. I'm I'm so glad to have you on and get to talk about your next chapter. Looking forward to seeing all the all the good stuff that's going to be coming out of the the pitching staff and the Chattanooga Lookouts, and the fact that kind of like you mentioned, uh, the Reds have done such a good job of aligning their organizational pitching philosophy. Where, I mean, I don't necessarily know the details of what it used to be before Derek Johnson got here, but you can definitely tell that what's going on right now is really exciting, and I'm very happy that you are a part of that now. Yes, sir. Thanks, Jeff. And, and you're right. I mean, I think everyone in the organization is extremely excited about the future, and I'm no different. So go Reds. Go Reds. All right, Rob, I appreciate having you on and hopefully get to talk to you again soon. Yes, sir. Thank you, Jeff. Really happy that Rob's let me share his story, chapters one and two now, and uh, hopefully we'll get to follow up with him closer to next season as well to see what the lookouts are looking like ahead of the next year. But that's going to do it for us here today on tomorrow's episode, going to dive in to the Locked On Reds line. Whatever you got, text it to 513-549-0159 or hit me up on Twitter at Jeff Carr with three Fs and at Locked On Reds with your questions, your reactions, comments, whatever you've got. Tomorrow we're going to do a uh, elongate. No, that's not right. A bigger, no, no, not that one either. A, um, a ginormous Jeff's Junk Mail segment on tomorrow's podcast. So make sure you get in 
all your questions, comments, reactions. What do you want to know about the offseason? Let's talk about it on tomorrow's Locked On Reds podcast. But that'll do it for us here today. Now tell your smart device to play the Locked On Fantasy Baseball podcast, and I will talk to each and every one of you tomorrow. Let's go, Rex. Hey. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 